0: Hi, everyone. You're listening to Making Account, a podcast that explores everyday financial topics to debunk common money myths. We're your hosts, Christina
1: and Will. Whether you're just establishing yourself financially,
0: working to break that paycheck to paycheck cycle, or wanting to optimize your savings, we've been there
1: and done that, and still have more to learn. So join us as we interview local financial experts,
0: answer your burning questions, and share our own money experiences on Making making It Count.
1: Today, we're talking about home buying for the first time. For people who have never done it before, the process can be really overwhelming.
0: Yeah, I think overwhelming is an understatement because it's so much, there's so many moving parts the financial aspect, it's stressful. And being a first time home buyer, there's a lot.
1: And even though interest rates are really, really low, uh, that, and that's something that's driving it, like we said, it can be very daunting at first.
0: Low interest rates can really save buyers thousands of dollars right now over the term of their mortgage. So it's definitely really important.
1: Absolutely. And we will get more tips like that through our guest interview with a local real estate agent and a loan officer from Addition Financial.
0: Right. And then we'll talk about those low interest rates, like I just mentioned, and then what that means for today's home buyers in our segment called The Sum Up. And then after we say goodbye to our awesome guests, we will share what we've learned today and then also mention some helpful resources to help our listeners make it count every day.
1: Sounds great. Let's get started. So, Christina, I've never purchased a home before, <gasps> but I know that you have so tell me about what that was like. For oh my you. gosh.
0: So I was probably about about the age that you're at now, newly engaged, and it was so stressful because I obviously have never i didn't do anything with financial stuff, so I really my parents helped me out a lot, um just teaching us all of the things, but I didn't know like when you go to closing and you're signing all those papers and like what's points mean like I still have I've I've since we've since bought another house since our first house and it's like I still don't know what mortgage points are. So maybe we'll learn about <laughs> well, that. We can today.
1: learn
0: today. <laughs> like so things like that and like all those hidden things that you don't think of. So I think we're going to learn a lot today. I feel like
1: there's like one thing you're mentioning that you don't know. And now I'm sitting here like, what's escrow? What does all this even mean? I don't have <laughs> no enough. I have no clue. Like, like, people are like, i pay my property taxes. And, like, uh,
0: and is that HOA? Like, yeah, there's so much to talk about. So I think this will be a good one, not only for you, but a lot of people.
1: Absolutely. So let's meet our guests. Today, we're happy to have two people with different perspectives on the home buying process. Eric Mieles is a real estate agent and Kathy Michaels is a loan officer. Would you please introduce yourselves?
2: Sure thing. Hi, everyone. As mentioned, my name is Eric Mieles. I am a local real estate professional and I am the co-founder of a local team by the name of H6 Homes. We help members as far north as the land and as far south as Davenport. Um, we've been working w- with members for a number of years now, and um, personally, I live in beautiful downtown Orlando with my wife and my stepdaughter, um, and uh, life is good, all is well. And I'm excited for today's show, so thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, so are we, thanks.
2: You're welcome.
3: Hey, Christina, hey, Will. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you. i Kathy Michaels. I'm a real estate loan officer with Addition Financial. I've been in the lending, real estate lending, for well over 20 years, been in banking in the credit union world uh, for longer than I care to admit. (laughs) Um, Probably longer than most of you have been here (laughs) on this earth. Which
1: is part of the reason you're the expert (laughs) and we have no clue what we're doing.
3: But, you know, it is one of those things that it is ever changing. You're always learning something new. So, um, yes, it's definitely a lot to know. And I can understand why it can be overwhelming for some.
0: Well, I'm so excited because we have like, the person who's gonna help us find our dream home. And then the person who's gonna get us through all the paperwork, like sitting right here. Will, you're gonna be ready to buy a house like as soon as we're done.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh. I know all right. guys. Yeah, no pressure, no pressure, Will, No pressure.
0: All right, so let's get right to the questions because I know there's some questions in here that I I still to this day don't know. So this will be fun. Okay, so I wanna start with something that's a big concern for home first-time home buyers. Um, What can people do? Credit score. That's like a big thing, especially when you're starting out. What can people do to improve their credit score before they even think about getting a house?
3: Um, What we always advise when it comes to credit is know what is being reported on your credit bureaus. If you haven't had your credit pulled recently for maybe an auto loan or some other inquiry, obtain one of the free credit reports. reports from one of the bureaus. It doesn't matter which one you choose. You could choose all three. You're entitled to one free one every year, but choose one. They're typically pretty similar to each other. Uh, review it. Make sure everything that reporting is correct. There's no errors. There's, God forbid, some fraud on there. You know, you you just want to review it and make sure everything's good. What's going to determine your score is the various scorecards that the bureaus use. The Biggest, biggest impact on your credit score is your payment history. Paying your bills on time is the hugest thing that you can do to keep your score good. The length of time that you've had your accounts open also helps. So if you've had cards for a while, even if you don't use them, if they don't cost you anything, don't close them because that has a long history. Periodically use them. Uh, Maintaining lower balances on your credit cards. So if you have a credit card with maybe a $1,000 limit, try to keep your balance no more than maybe 300 You know, sometimes things come up and you have to use them and maybe bring the balance up a little bit higher than you'd like, but try to keep it as low as you can or get it down as quickly as you can. But those are the things that are going to contribute to a good credit score.
1: Take note of that, Christina.
3: I will. I'm taking note.
1: I'm kidding. She was actually <laughs> bragging to me about her good credit score the other day.
3: I will bragging people are very people are very proud of their good scores and they should be because many times it in some cases it's taken years uh for the newer borrower um you know they're starting out and they are proud of it that they've you know managed to get an auto loan and a credit card and and they didn't need the assistance maybe of a family member to do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, those are big steps in a person's life.
1: Absolutely. See, big steps, Christina. (laughs) So let's say like you are like Christina and you have really good credit. Um, Is that a good point to look at getting pre-approved for a mortgage?
3: It's one of the main parts of the puzzle, let's say. Um, So you have your credit, obviously, Um, your income. What is Income you have to make this proposed mortgage payment that you're thinking about. And then there's the assets portion. You know, how much have you managed to accumulate in your savings? Maybe some gift funds from a family member. Um, maybe some assistance. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, um, <laughs> yes. You know, family members are good resources sometimes for the first-time home buyer. Um, 401k loans, sometimes they allow for you to per, you know, borrow against your 401k for the home purchase. And then there are other sources out there for down payment assistance. Um, So you need to know, you know, and also what I always like to ask a prospective uh, buyer is what is a comfortable payment for you feel like? You know, you may be paying $1,400 a month in rent and you're okay with a $1,400 a month payment. But this way we can use that to try to calculate what does that transpose into when it comes to purchase price, loan amount, um, because there's certain things that as a loan officer, we're not going to ask you. We're not going to ask you about your social expenses, how much you spend on gas and tolls to go back and forth to your jobs, childcare. And those are very real life expenses, but we don't ask about them. So it's always important for you to know what is going to be comfortable for your household
1: budget. I like that she, she said, um social expenses Mm -hmm. does that count like skin (laughs) care target expenses Mm -hmm. i I, like walked into target and i walked out with like five things i didn't need yesterday
0: well that's the whole thing Mm. yeah i mean well you can buy five things for your new home ah it was a
1: pillow i did walk out with one pillow
0: well eric what does that mean from a real estate agent perspective
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So we always recommend that buyers be buttoned up financially with a pre-qual or pre-approval letter in hand before the shopping phase. And I'll share with you why. Two things, most um, importantly, that usually come up when we start shopping for homes without pre-approval in hand. Number one, the market is moving at a very fast pace. And I've seen some buyers who just want to get a feel for the market. They go out there And they literally happen to find the home they love. And now it's like, uh uh-oh, now I've got to go do all my finances. And by the time that gets done, there's multiple offers or the home is gone. So literally, um, by skipping that financial piece and going straight to shopping for a home and not having pre-approval in hand, you may see a house that you can't even take action on. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, the one that hurts the most is starting the shopping process without a pre-approval in hand falling in love with a certain amount of homes. And then when you get pre-approved, you realize that is not in your budget. And now you have to look for a different set of homes and you literally disappointed yourself right from the beginning. Mm. So two really important things that we see in trying to mitigate that and have buyers really button up their finances first before hitting the shopping phase.
3: The emotional part.
0: Yeah, I'm Finding that mansion you love. Eric, I'm sure that's happened to you. Like you've walked people through homes and then you realize like, this isn't even...
1: It's making me think of that. There's like that HGTV show. I can't remember which one it is, oh, but they like oh, walk the them brothers, through. The Property the bro- Brothers. And they walk them through. They're like, don't you love this home? And they're like, I do. It's my dream home. They're like, you can't afford it.
2: <laughs> the <laughs> takeaway, you know? Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's $1.2
3: million. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, Get over it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I'm more a fixer-upper girl. <laughs> I love
0: it. I, I'm an HGTV all day, every I'm day. What? I'm I'm like, you. I, I got to move to Waco
3: just so that they can yeah. redo some some fixer-upper for me. I don't I don't know yeah.
1: the modern farmhouse.
0: Um, so the next step, I would think, I think or something that intimidated my husband and I when we were first buying a house is that down payment. I think a lot of people almost probably get scared of own of going taking that step because of the whole down payment thing or how much you should save. What, like there's a lot of conflicting information there. So how do we address that? What's the what, what should we do for our down payment?
3: Well, I know what we do um, is we will provide a quote. Meaning, we're not running your credit, but for somebody that is just starting to entertain the thought of buying a home and they have absolutely no idea how much they're going to need, we can run a quote for them just based on some theoretical information. You know, a purchase price of two fifty and. Tell me how much you have for your down payment and cost. Give me a total lump sum that you think you'll have to work with. And then I can give them an idea, you know, what their payment might be like, what the closing costs might be, the payment, uh, you know, what it includes, your taxes, your insurances, uh, the current interest rates we'll base it on. And it gives them a, a better picture of what to expect. And if they're prepared and they meet, you know, it all sounds good to them, then we can move forward and get that pre-approval going for them where we're going to run their credit, evaluate their debt to income ratios, um, their other obligations they have, and then they can you know, hopefully get a pre-approval letter and with confidence work with an agent to find the right home for them because we don't want them to be house poor either. We don't want them to have any surprises. We don't want them a week before closing saying, oh, my God, I'm short two three thousand dollars what am i going to do because of the
2: trip to sephora (laughs) (laughs) and target Target. well
3: that's one of the things we do counsel not to go you know shopping or incurring a lot of debt when you're in that serious uh looking for a home mode you know you do have to sometimes curtail those things a little bit
1: (laughs) cut back the entertainment budget
3: Just a little bit. The social expenses. The yes. so, ex-
1: I love <laughs> the that. Social, so social right? so we're not gonna expense. forget that term, no. right? I love it. <laughs> so how can people figure out if which homes are in their reach? It's not necessarily all about the listed price, right? We see them like always negotiating at a certain point, especially on the HGTV shows and mm-hmm. all that, even though it's a pre-negotiation, but that's okay. <laughs> it's all fake. But how can how do how do we like understand the listed price and all of that?
2: Sure. Um, I, I believe I'm going to answer your question in two parts. First, how we set a baseline of what we can afford is based on the conversation they had with the loan officer previously and that pre-approval that was generated. right? Some people will qualify, for example, for $400,000. That doesn't mean they have to buy homes at $400,000.
0: Can we right. stop there and let that, like, let that sit there for a little bit? Just because you are approved for $400,000 does not mean you have to buy a house that's $400,000. But they want I was
1: approved for it.
0: That happened to me when we bought our first house, which was on top of the bubble. So let me not even get started there. It was back in like oh, we've hit a trigger. Uh, Yes, (laughs) we were making like no money, like we were like out of college, and we got approved for like three hundred fifty thousand dollars house, and we're like, dude, I'm making like ten dollars an hour. There's no way. So yes, thank you, Eric. Please say it again.
2: Yes, just because you're approved for a certain amount does not mean you have to maximize Ah, that amount and buy a home at that price. So that's number one. That does set a baseline for us as we're hitting the market and looking for homes. Number two, the second way I'll answer that question is, you are correct. A listed price on a home is what the seller placed that home on the market for. That doesn't mean it's worth that. Quite frankly, it could be, worth less. It could be worth more. And the way that we distinguish if that listed price is fair market value for that home is your real estate professional will do some due diligence. We look at area homes that are similar in terms of location and style, and we check what those homes are selling for. And it begins to give us trends, it establishes a baseline of values in that particular community and location. And that's how we start to be educated about the market, what's out there, what's available. I'll add real quickly, if you don't mind, we have to take into consideration a case by case basis, each home that we find and like, here's why. We could find a home that was lingering on the market for 73 days, no offers on the table. You would think we have a little bit more leeway based on that one particular situation in negotiating and opening up dialogue and doing certain things, versus the other um, example of a home hitting the market on a Friday, having seven offers by Saturday with 23 showings. That kind of scenario, you can tell, is gonna be quite difficult in getting 10 to 20 grand off the list because the seller has seven different options right in front of them in two days. There's been no pain associated for that seller in their marketing of their home. So my point is it's a case by case scenario. Every time we find a home that you really truly love, there's work that has to be going into it to figure out values, comparables, trends, and establish what does this home mean to you? What do you feel it's worth to you? And then accordingly um, develop a strategy to make offers on those homes.
0: There's a lot of first-time home buyers that think the down payment is the only thing they have to worry about. Our friends, Will, our friends uh, just bought a house and um, they were like, wait a second, what? what's homeowner's insurance and, and what's property tax? And I have to do, what would the HOA isn't homeowner's insurance? Like, there's a lot of other things and fees and things that, that you think that the down payment covers everything. There's closing costs and all these things. So what are those? Hidden surprises. And I mean, we're going to put surprises in air quotes, but what are the things that we really need to think about other than the down payment? And there are quite,
3: quite a few, and they can add up to several thousand dollars in all honesty. And I know uh, there are people that like to give a percentage of uh, purchase price to use as guesstimating. Um, I tend not to do that because there are certain fees that whether you're buying a home for $100,000 or a home for $400,000, there's a set fee. It's not based on dollar amount. So to quote a percentage of purchase price can be very misleading, uh, depending on the lender that is chosen, depending on maybe your credit score or the program, the, the 30-year fixed or the adjustable rate mortgage or whatever you're choosing for your loan product, that can affect closing costs. But- it can be several thousand dollars. Many times you can be fortunate enough to get a seller that's willing to contribute to closing costs. Um, There are programs that lenders offer that will pay some of the closing costs. So, but you need to be prepared. There are title costs um, that go to the title company that's gonna handle the recording of the mortgage and the deed at the county level. There are um, fees to an appraiser you have to acquire homeowner's insurance to protect your property against any possible hazards and your possessions that are in the home. Uh, there's property taxes, and that's going to vary depending on the value and where the home is located. Um, so there's so many different fees. And that's why I said getting that quote from a lender and they will itemize or a good quote will itemize all these estimated fees so that you can see how did this add up to six, $7,000? How? You know, on top of the 3 or 5% or more that I might have to have, you know, the, it kind of hurts. It stings, you know, mm-hmm. but it's unfortunately a reality. You don't want to count on the fact that a seller may help with some of those costs, mm-hmm. you know, be prepared for the worst and hope for the best type mm-hmm. of situation. Um, but I would say it's several thousand dollars in addition to your down payment between the closing costs. And what we call the prepaids, which is for your homeowners insurance, your property taxes, um, possible PMI insurance.
1: So uh, you mentioned um, the appraisals, the inspections. Mm-hmm. So why is it important for a first-time home buyer? What's it, why is it important to get a home inspection before purchasing?
3: I'll let Eric
1: answer this. <laughs> I, I
3: could answer it certainly. I, I you know, I but I'm going to let his expertise take over on the home inspection uh, part of it
2: it's a vital step in the home buying process. I mean vital. So first and foremost, it's not required. That's first, people need to be aware of that. Is it recommended? 100% of the time. It's a big distinction. Um, Why it's important is because you need, in, in my professional opinion, a professional set of eyes to spend two to four hours in that home researching, looking, and testing whatever they can to make sure that before you proceed and buy this home and invest all those dollars you've been saving for years that you're making a sound decision moving forward. And the way that you do that is by hiring a licensed inspector who will go top to bottom on the house and do a full-blown general inspection with a full-blown report detailing every nook and cranny of that house as best as possible. Based on that report, now we get to make an intelligent decision if A, we're going to stay in this transaction and proceed, B, if there's too many things that actually came up that we couldn't see to the naked eye. We didn't Go through the attic when we were looking at the houses. A lot of buyers were just looking at the forty-two-inch cabinets in the granite countertop, right? Right. Um, a lot of buyers don't have. They don't research how old the roof is. And they're also not aware that at the 20 year mark, a lot of insurance companies may cut off their insurance policy and they weren't even aware of that. And they bought the home at year 18 of the roof. Two years later, not being prepared for a $10,000 item can really hurt you, right? So the inspection part is so vital so that you can make that sound decision. If A, we need to stop and reconsider or B, we're going to proceed with the transaction.
0: And couldn't you use what you found as a bargaining chip?
2: It's a great question. So the answer is yes. That's the the quick and short answer. There are, um, I don't want to get too technical. However, there is an as-is contract that a lot of um, deals are written on, which simply states that the seller makes no guarantees, warranties, or claims that they will repair anything or pay to have anything repaired. However, that does, negate, that does not negate our ability as buyers to ask for something if we find it. And we should always do so, no matter if it's on an as-is contract or not. Because if we rightfully find something wrong with the house, we want to open up dialogue and have a discussion. Mm-hmm. Can it be fixed by the seller? Can we get credits from the seller to do it ourselves after we close? Or a combination of credits, repairs, and price. All of that will happen once we open up dialogue after the inspection.
3: Make sure it's not a make it or break it type of situation. Um, the other two things that I thought about while you were speaking is the WDO, wood destroying organisms. Sometimes home inspection inspectors include that for termites or any other type oh, of man. situation. Correct. And W-D-O's. then more.
1: I am... <laughs> now, she didn't say wait. termites. She said WDO. I love
3: it. Wood destroying organisms. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then better yet, septic. And I had Uh a purchase many years ago when I first moved to Florida um, that a gentleman purchased a beautiful home, had a home inspection. Everything went great. Not right in this area. And about two months after his purchase, he found out his septic drain field had to be replaced.
2: (gasps) Thousands of dollars. Thousands of
3: dollars. He tried. He called me. Uh, Thankfully, he was at least in a financial position that he was not going to be in trouble. But he said, do I have any recourse? And I said, not through us because we don't require an inspection. Um, He was able to, I want to say, kind of go to that seller a little bit because he found out through neighbors that they had had septic people out there and they knew the situation. And on the seller's disclosure, they didn't answer it quite correctly. So I don't know if he ever got any resolution out of it but it is something that could be very costly. So it is an inspection that if you're not on, you know, county sewer public or city,
1: that you might want to consider that as well. I had a family member who purchased a home and they were told the house was on city water and city sewage. And when they end up closing and getting into the house, they found they had a septic tank. What? It was jarring. I don't know if they had a home inspection. I don't, it was a long time ago, but I just remember this, Specific family member was not happy because they purposely moved to get away from a septic. And and
3: this is where an agent such as Eric and many agents out there, they do so much homework behind the scenes. Um, And then, of course, the listings uh, that it's so critical.
2: It matters. It is so vital. Um, You know, with homes with septic, it's an additional expense, by the way. Mm -hmm. So we got to make sure that buyers are prepared for those expenses that come up up front. And going back to down payment, right? We want to make sure all of this is vital to ask key questions in the beginning. Because let's let's take this for example real quick. What if a buyer was using four hundred one k funds solely for the down payment and closing costs and a gift, but no one told them they needed upfront money before they closed for the inspection, for escrow deposit, for the appraisal, and so now you're in a in a transaction. It's all buttoned up, signed, executed. And then you say, please deposit your check to the title company. They go, well, it's going to take me 14 days to liquidate my 401 account. Mom, we could lose dad. literally the house.
3: Wow. That's when mom, dad, grandma, <laughs> grandpa, <laughs> somebody right. help. Uncle help.
1: Right. And cousin. Mom, somebody help, please. Exactly. Alms for the, Alms yeah. for the
0: yeah. Start a GoFundMe account. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. Venmo from Christina. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so you you both have said these two words, and I want to clarify, because these are others that I think people get confused, or, or they are or used interchangeably, inappropriately. What's the difference between an appraisal and an inspection? That's two totally different things, correct?
2: Correct, and two totally different um, professionals. An appraisal is done by a state-certified appraiser who is tasked with unbiasedly going to the property and forming an opinion of value that the lending institution will use. Very important, right? When you're using financing, it's required. You have to get an appraisal. An inspection, as we discussed, is a professional licensed inspector who's gonna go and do an inspection on the house to determine the home's condition, not market value.
0: So one is value, one is condition. Correct. And then Kathy, is that, do we get an appraisal from... Our, our our financial institution or do we get the appraiser from our real estate agent?
3: So the lender that you choose for your mortgage um, is going to, at a certain point in the process, once they've gotten the contract in, they've disclosed to you, there's uh, limitations, three business days, there are certain regulations that we have to follow. Uh, part of the processing is going to be collecting your documents, ordering the title work through the title company that was selected and ordering that appraisal. As a lender, and especially since the real estate bubble and all of the things that got thrown around, pointing fingers, lenders, buyers, appraisal companies, everybody was pointing blame to everybody, Um, we order through an appraisal management company. So, you know, if if my processor is ordering the appraisal on Will's new house that he's looking to buy, it goes to a company, Uh, they then assign it to a field of appraisers in that footprint where that house is located because they know that area, they know that market. Mm. So it's random to keep it objective. I have no input on what appraiser is chosen. Um, The buyer doesn't, the seller doesn't, they try to keep it as random and objective as possible because they want it unbiased. As Eric
1: said, I never thought about that.
3: Me Mm
0: -hmm. either. Interesting.
3: You know, once upon a time when I first started doing this, you know, the, credit union I worked for way, way, way back then (laughs) in New Jersey, I was like, we had a list of appraisers. I'd pick up the phone and say, hey, I need an appraisal done on this property. And you knew which appraisers were maybe more conservative, which ones were a little bit more liberal. And you knew that. And that caused Mm -hmm. a lot of problems. So now it is kept very objective. They are very much carefully monitored by the state.
0: Well, it makes sense because you don't want to. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You want it fair. Yeah, exactly.
1: So in the opening, we mentioned that interest rates that are are at a very low point right now. What should first time homebuyers know about shopping for rates? Rates,
3: interest rate. Like you said, very low. Uh, there's a lot of, of course, promotions out there that, you know, tease people and tell them all wonderful things. So they have to know the interest rate. And most first time buyers are going to look at a 30 year fixed rate, um, either conventional FHA, VA. They're typically going to go for that fixed rate product. And you may see a rate that sounds wonderful. Two point eight seven five. You know, um, interest rate is very important but also the APR, and the APR is a reflection of what that rate is costing you. So when you're comparing, and I like to say apples to apples or apples to oranges, and if lender A says our rate is 3.5 and our APR is 3.997, you know, make a note of that, and lender B says, well, our rate is 3.5, but our APR is 3.775. They're both offering the same rate, but the one with the lower APR is a reflection that their costs are lower, hmm. and it's a reflection of what that that mortgage is going to cost you ultimately, reflected when you're factoring in all those closing costs that I mentioned.
0: All right, and what I taught, this is one that I still don't even know to this day, so I'm hoping that you give me some clarification. What the heck are Our mortgage, mortgage points? points and are they worth buying? In
3: with the rates being as low as they are, and for a first-time home buyer, typically not. Okay. A mortgage point, a point is 1%. Anytime somebody says a point, whether it's a mortgage point or any type of point, it's 1%. You're paying 1% of whatever you're borrowing. So if you were, and I'm just going to use simple numbers, borrowing $200,000, 1% is $2,000. So you're going to pay an additional $2,000 to reduce the interest rate from whatever the rate is set. So if the rate were 3.5 and you wanted to do what they call buy down the rate, you would pay one or more points. Some lenders will allow half points, quarter points, but... Typically, it's 1.1% to buy down the rate. And how much it buys it down isn't always worth it. You have to be in that home or keeping that mortgage long enough to make that cost efficient. And most first-time home buyers don't have a lot of extra money, whether it's for additional costs, buying down the rate. Um, it's been proven that most people do not stay either in their homes or they either refinance, typically in the five to seven year period. Mm. So if you're paying $2,000 to maybe reduce your interest rate by 0.125%, what you're going to save monthly is going to be nominal, especially with the rates being as low as they are. And you have to think, okay, at a cost of $2,000, if I'm only saving $20 a month, that's going to take 100 months to kind of repay itself. Is it worth it? Sometimes you're better off using that money and put more as a down payment, finance less. The other thing though, is if you're lucky enough to get a seller that's gonna pay some of your costs, then you might have some extra money to work with. And then you can direct that to maybe buy down the rate a little bit. So it's, they're not, it's not a bad thing. We don't see it too often. Most people choose to use whatever extra money they have or seller credits to either reduce the amount they finance or to reduce their costs and their their ultimate out of pocket.
1: So, what are some things that first time home buyers should research before deciding where to buy a home?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. There's so many, right? Um the wish list if you will, right? It's the it's the it's the Sports, most countertops, it's the custom most fun hat-man. part. <laughs> hardwood tile floor. floors, appliance. you know, wood grain tile undermount Mount Absolutely. Yeah. 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 All of I've that. It.
3: Yeah, Will's you checklist. Eric, are you t- keeping <laughs> notes? Taking no, notes. wait, I'm That's, that's the dream list. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, but there really is things that you as a buyer need to sit down and distinguish what's important for you. Not just blindly follow wherever you think would be a air quotes, good place to buy, but just dis- have that discussion with the family. Um, uh, radius to work and what commute do you want, right? Um, schools, huge uh, discussion, huge. huge discussion amongst parents. Um, and even actually non-parents who know that they're going to have a family and want to buy in an area that has a school zone. I have a lot
1: of friends who did that. Right.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And they want to stay there, right? Um, you have style of home. Do we want production bill mid 2000 style or do we want 80s, 90s semi-custom look where the neighborhood feels and looks different amongst each house with larger lot lines, right? Um, do, we, do we have an allergy to carpets or and we specifically need other flooring products or we're open to anything? Do we want turnkey or are we the type of family and buyer that wants to add value to something? All of that are questions that we should be going through during the wish list phase.
0: <laughs> swimming pool or no swimming that's pool. That's right.
2: Fence,
1: no fence. Yeah. You know? I Aided would love to say that I'm the type not. of person who would be like, let's go in there and fix it up. Make but it our I would, own. Would, oh my then, God. Well, I would no be like, call it. no, that's not me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not, I would like, I'd be like, I great, I'd be great at like telling somebody what I want if I had all the money, yeah, but. Yeah, yeah,
3: But that's real. I can and paint. if you I can acknowledge paint, that, there you go. Oh, I can oh, hang a ceiling glass. fan and
1: a TV. And install a dimmer. I've installed dimmers. It's actually wow. pretty good. I can't hang a
2: picture, honestly. So, I mean, <laughs> true, Me true story. i most called men, someone to hang a picture in my house. Most men are not good
3: at hanging pictures. That's a fact.
1: Oh. I always hang them
2: too high because I'm taller. Note so, it's right in front Kathy of my said. face.
1: I'm like, look how lovely it no. is. And then everybody else
2: Everybody's is there like, Years
3: ago, I kind of had a part-time job that involved that. And it was always tips on how to hang pictures and distance and height and all that good stuff. And most men are just not good at that. Women are typically better at that.
0: So Eric, if you ever need help, Come, reach I'm out call to Kathy. your girl Kathy. Absolutely. she's gonna help you put up that. Please put picture. some pictures
2: up, Kathy. Absolutely. <laughs> I bring my own mounting
0: bolts
2: wow. and okay. Molly
3: screws Yay. and everything. Oh A little yeah. side hustle here. Oh, yeah. A little side oh. hustle. Yeah. You know, well, every, anytime yeah. my nieces or nephews have you know moved into new homes, I get the phone call.
0: <laughs> Are you on Angie's list? <laughs> no, <laughs> not yet. All right. Thanks, guys. We're going to take a quick pause for a quick ad break, but we'll be right back. And then you guys need to get ready. Take deep breaths. We're going back to the quick rounds, quick questions. All right. We'll be back after this.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Addition Financial, a member-owned, not-for-profit financial cooperative. Count them into your financial journey by exploring their educational content membership and everything they have to offer at addition fi.com federally insured by ncua and an equal housing lender
0: up next we're going to be talking about the making it count essentials will you get to kick things off
1: all right so when do buyers need to purchase mortgage insurance
0: Lenders are going to add
3: mortgage insurance on an FHA loan. It's called mortgage insurance on a conventional loan. It's called PMI or private mortgage insurance. And it's when you're putting less than 20% of the purchase price down. So you're financing more than 80% of the purchase price. Uh, there is a misconception or a myth that you're a first time home buyer, you have to do FHA. I want to banish that myth. FHA is a great product. It's typically three and a half percent down. However, there are many conventional products out there available with three percent down. Conventional mortgages, the PMI premium is typically less than an FHA mortgage, and it is not on for the life of the loan. So when you're checking with your lenders, see if they offer that because it can make a big difference.
0: All right, Eric, this one's for you and you're not going to like it, but I'm sorry. (laughs) We were told to ask. Okay. Are real estate agent fees negotiable?
2: So the short and quick answer is it depends. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. It depends because A, all real estate professionals are self-employed 1099 individuals and can run their business the way they choose. That's number one with guidance from the broker. But nevertheless, however, a, a quick distinction. Buyers do not incur commissions. Sellers do. So it's the sellers who are paying their agents, and those agents are paying the buyer's realtor. So in essence, buyers don't incur commissions when they hire a real estate professional.
3: Who else can you hire to do a job for you as important as finding a home and not have to pay them a penny?
1: (laughs) I love it. So you mentioned the 30-year fixed earlier. Is the 30-year mortgage the best option?
3: for most first time home buyers and now with rates being as low as they are it is what is typically chosen however if maybe you know it isn't a first time home buyer maybe they came into some inheritance maybe they have quite a bit of money to put down or their income levels will support a shorter term 15 or 20 years by all means what you will pay in total interest over the life of the loan is an enormous difference But we don't want to see people stress for that 15 year payment and then their social expenses may suffer some (laughs) or then with life, if their family does expand, if they decide to do other things, they're they're committed to that higher payment of 15 years versus maybe a lower payment at 30 years.
0: Kathy, you're going to be so proud of me. I refinanced our house to a 15 and then we're making an extra payment every year. So whoop, whoop. you Absolutely. are you're raising the roof
3: One
1: Talk less about trip this every time <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, every and you know what time. it is one
0: less trip to
3: target <laughs>
1: <laughs> well
3: it's like when we get those extra pays if you get paid by,
0: every two weeks yeah, you
3: by know. the time
1: I'm buying home you're gonna be like I'm paid off
0: <laughs> dream man that's the goal all right Eric this is another one okay. and I already know the answer but I just feel like to give you you know should we hire a real estate professional
2: should Yes. I know it's a biased answer as a real estate professional. Technically, do you have to and can you buy a home without one? Yes. Should you? In my professional opinion, no. There's so many things involved with the home buying process. There's so many. And why not have a qualified professional that you build a relationship with and trust to assist you through that process to think three steps ahead of what you're thinking and considering? And so you should.
1: Well, thank you both so much. This has been incredibly informative. Yes, it's been my pleasure.
2: Yeah, it's been great.
0: But you guys stick around because now we're going to a segment we call the sum up where we take current events and then how it relates to the topic that we're talking about right now.
1: So today's news is about interest rates, which have hit historically low point, falling from 3.38% to 3.3% according to CNBC. So... With that in mind, what should first time buyers know?
3: Interest rate, certainly a point uh, important. It's going to keep their payment lower than maybe it would have a year or so ago, or it might in a year from now. We don't know what the rates will be. So if you're ready, now is a fantastic time to start seriously thinking about it. Um, rates are in those low threes to mid threes right now. Um, it, it's going to have a direct impact on your payment. The total interest you will pay over the life of the loan so yeah now is a great time um it just speaks for itself you know with the low rates lower payment you might be able to buy more than you could have when the rates were higher
2: and purchasing power absolutely purchasing power is uh what rates will translate to as they go lower and higher and fluctuate
0: what can a first-time buyer do to speed up the process is there any tips or what how what should they be prepared with to Get this process moving faster.
3: That was one of the first words I was going to use. You took it right out of my mouth. <sighs> be prepared. Be responsive to your your lender, the loan officer that you choose to work with, with your agent. Be prepared for submitting documents when they're needed. And your loan, your loan officer is going to give you an idea what is going to be requested when the time comes. Um, you know, it's a team effort. It's a process. Eric will tell you it is certainly a group effort. And it is a process. It's not a, I'm going to Target, I'm going to open a credit card, or, you know, it's a, it is a process. It typically takes 30 days from application or finding that right home to closing, maybe a little bit longer, depending on what you agree upon with the seller. But be prepared, be responsive, um, be prompt in, in getting those things in when they're needed so that everything goes smoothly, so that there's no obstacles that, you know, we can't get around.
0: And Eric, what should a person do to be prepared for the home shopping experience?
2: Sure, so we specialize and created a seven step process. And um, the way the process works is first is education, which is exactly what we're doing now. Listening to shows like this, getting educated and familiar with the process. Next is finances. Once your finances are buttoned up, The next phase is the shopping phase. So think about it, how confident as a buyer you can go knowing that you've been educated on all the things necessary about the home buying process. Your finances are buttoned up. It allows you to proceed, shop with confidence, make offers, go through the transaction, close and be happy and have your keys and have a great experience, not one that you regret going back and thinking about you didn't do things right and now you just invested your dollars into this large purchase and you're not happy.
0: All right. Wow. I am like, oh, I've learned so much and I've already bought a home. Like, what about you, Will?
1: Oh, just think about how <laughs> I'm feeling then.
0: <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for coming. Eric and Kathy, thank you so much for your time. Eric, how can somebody, one of our listeners, if they're looking for a home, how do they reach out to you?
2: Sure. You can go to our website, uh, www.h6homes.com. You can find me on all uh, the social profiles under H6 Home on my personal name, Eric Mielez. And um, I look forward to speaking with anyone and everyone that just wants to be educated on what it takes to um, go through the home buying process here locally uh, in Central Florida.
1: Well, thank you again, both, so much. This has been great.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right, Christina, it is time for our favorite segment. What What did did we learn learn today? today? All right, Christina, what did you learn today?
0: What I learned today was something that Kathy said that I thought was really. Uh, very um, important is that you don't always have to go for the FHA loan. Sometimes the conventional loans, you always hear first-time home buyers and going to these special first-time home buyer loans or mortgages. But a conventional loan could be even more competitive than that. So I thought that that was really interesting.
1: Way to steal what I learned.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> That's OK. Uh, there are two important things I learned. It before. was so
0: important that we both I thought know. it was important.
1: I learned what WDOs are. Yes. <laughs> Wood destroying organisms, yeah, and the social expenses,
0: social expenses, and
1: I. But those, I learned that. But then I also I did like that Kathy broke down for us uh, beyond the down payment <clears throat> because, mm-hmm. I mean, in my mind, that's what I've been thinking about is like a down payment. How much do I need for a down payment? And people start scaring you with the private mortgage insurance and everything else, and it's like, but you know, it, there's more to think about beyond just that. So
0: and know, will like Eric said, just because you qualify for X amount. That does not mean you have to buy said X amount. Moving
1: to Celebration, baby. Moving to the (laughs) Disney town.
0: Oh, I wish. All right. So at the end of every episode, we like to leave our listeners with some practical resources related to this episode. So today we're really excited because we have three, count them, three resources that are super great.
1: Sounds like an infomercial. Three, three, three. (laughs) Yes. So we have a first time homebuyer's guide to mortgages. Which includes everything first-time home buyers need to know about applying for a mortgage. Basically, it's a soup to nuts guide provided by Addition Financial, and it's completely free. So check out the show notes to download it today.
0: Our show notes are so helpful. I love it. Um, also, what is super helpful is our two additional resources. The first is a quiz, and the quiz is to help you decide if you are ready to buy your first home. Will you got to take that quiz? I
1: thought you were about to say it was like a Harry Potter quiz. <laughs>
0: Which, Which Harry Potter character are you? You're Potter. No. <laughs> Am I? Oh, that's okay. I like that. Um, so if you're ready to buy your first home. And then the second one is how to, your monthly expenses worksheet for a new homeowner. So kind of really laying it out of like, what is this really going to cost? I
1: think it's really important because figuring out your budget when you buy a new home is really um, a big deal. And I can't wait to take the home buying readiness quiz with my husband.
0: All right. Awesome. I'm going like, to probably look at
1: me and be like, no, we're not. Taking that." We're not, we're not. <laughs> but we'll put all the links to the resources in the show notes.
0: Thank you again to our guests, Kathy and Eric, and we will see you guys next time on. And
1: that's a wrap on this episode of making it count.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app.
1: You can also subscribe or follow to stay up to date on our latest episodes.
0: In the meantime, send us your questions and share your success stories by emailing us at podcast at
1: And whatever you do,
0: make it count.